0: Welcome to the Beard Disciple Podcast. This is Pastor Jeff Strong broadcasting from Nelson, British Columbia. And we are into the Lenten season. This is the 40 days preceding Good Friday. And whether or not we're familiar with the process or rhythm of Lent, I've been doing a lot of thinking, particularly this year, about how important it is to have a time of preparation before Good Friday. Because Good Friday and Easter is, you know, that weekend is kind of like Super Bowl weekend for Christians. And yet, as you get older, as your life gets more full, as you have more responsibilities, it's very easy to arrive at the week before Good Friday and realize, oh, that's all happening next weekend. And you move through it rather quickly. And it just doesn't seem to pack the punch that you know it should And often that's because we've been distracted leading up to it. And when we have significant dates or events on our calendar, whether they are an anniversary or a sports tournament, we tend not to just roll up to those dates. What we tend to do is prepare in advance for them because they're so important, because they're freighted with so much meaning or opportunity. We treat them differently. We start with that date and then think, How do I need to prepare myself one week before, one month before, six months before? And really, that's what Lent is for. Lent is to prepare us, body, mind, and spirit, so that we move into Good Friday and Easter with our whole selves, wholeheartedly. One of the practices that I think is really important for us to consider as we move through Lent and prepare for Good Friday is the practice of forgiveness and deepening our understanding of what forgiveness is. Right? Good Friday is this pinnacle moment in the history of humanity where Jesus sacrifices himself for us so that forgiveness is possible, so that reconciliation with God is possible, and that reconciliation then opens the doorway Through which we can reconcile, um, we can pursue reconciliation with other people, with ourselves, with our fractured sense of identity, with creation and with our vocation in the world. And so, Good Friday stands as this um, powerful event that opens up a whole new kind of possibility. And this divine forgiveness is meant to make Christians forgiving people. And so, forgiveness is a key practice for those who take following Jesus seriously. In the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, he actually instructs them to pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus is presuming that those who follow him as a disciple, as a student or a learner, are going to pattern their life off of his example of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, one of Jesus's early disciples, Peter, comes to him and, and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Like up to seven times? It's a good question, right? When you have someone who is uh, causing injury or pain or harm, how many times do you kind of have to forgive them? And Peter throws out this high number up to seven times and Jesus says I tell you not seven times but 77 times Now there's some interesting symbolism and maybe even hyperbole there But the point is that forgiveness is to be a way of life. It is not something that a Christian who's serious about following Jesus ought to understand as optional And Lent is a good time as we move towards Good Friday and reflect how God in Christ has forgiven us and opened up that path for forgiveness. It's a really good time for us to think about what does forgiveness look like in the context of my life and my relationships? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And so Jesus' forgiveness becomes a model for how we are to extend forgiveness to other people in our lives. But even as I say that, I totally recognize that there are tremendous hesitations in responding to this call to forgive. But I think a lot of these hesitations come from a misunderstanding regarding what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And last week, I came across a, a really helpful article by Brad Hambrick, who serves as the pastor in um pastor of counseling at the summit church in durham north carolina he also serves as assistant professor of biblical counseling at the southeastern baptist theological seminary and the article was called five things forgiveness is not and i found it really really helpful so i just wanted to walk through these five points and hope that these will help you um, move maybe past some of the hesitancies of extending or leaning into forgiveness that maybe are there because of a misunderstanding. So the first is forgiveness is not pretending that we're not hurt. He writes, if we conceive of forgiveness as pretending, then forgiveness becomes a synonym for being fake. Forgiveness becomes a form of self-imposed silencing. And this loss of voice only compounds the painful effect of whatever offense has already been committed against us. And so he underscores the fact that forgiveness is not pretending. Forgiveness is what allows us to express hurt as hurt rather than hurt as vengeful anger. Even after we forgive someone, hurt still hurts. If the person who hurt us gets upset with us for still hurting, then they haven't really repented, which is a scriptural word that means turning away from their sin. He continues and he says, too often we view forgiveness as the culmination of some kind of journey. We say, I forgive you. And what we're not saying is things are all better now. What we're saying when we say, I forgive you, is I have decided I will relate to your offense towards me differently. And so forgiveness is the start of a new journey. Forgiveness doesn't erase the past. When you forgive, You are not making a commitment to ignore the hurt or to simply not hurt. You're making a commitment about what you will do with the hurt when it flares up inside of you. Number two, forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook. When we forgive someone, that doesn't mean that what we're communicating to them is that they can just go on as if nothing ever happened. If we do that, we're letting someone off the hook. And he writes that we are saying that nothing else needs to be done. But if you think about the way God forgives us, that gives us a new insight into the demands that come from receiving forgiveness. Because when God forgives us, he does not assume that because of that forgiveness, we're just a finished product. Right? God remains active in our life, and part of that activity is that he is seeking to remove the sin that he forgave, remove those sinful patterns. Forgiveness is meant to change us, not to simply leave us as we were. And so when we forgive someone, it's not just okay, but it's right to expect that that extension of grace is going to have an impact on them. That it's going to cause them to reconsider the way that they've been living and to cause a new desire to emerge, to change their ways. If someone doesn't agree about the wrongness and the weight of the sin that you are forgiving them for, then the most forgiveness can do is to set you free from bitterness, but it's probably not going to result in relational restoration. Number three, forgiveness is not making an excuse for someone. He writes, sometimes we resist forgiveness because we don't want to ratify a perceived downgrade in the significance of the offense. But forgiveness is not a downgrade. Forgiveness does not reclassify an offense from the category of serious sin to just a mistake. Mistakes are excused. Sins need to be forgiven. And forgiveness inherently classifies an offense at a serious level of wrongness. Right? When we say, I forgive you, we are not communicating, oh, you know what, it's no biggie. What we're actually saying is, what you did was serious and wrong, and it deserves condemnation. See, that's what makes forgiveness such a high virtue. It's the decision to eclipse a serious wrong, not by minimizing it, but by naming it and choosing to respond with a more powerful grace and perspective. Number four, forgiveness is not forgetting. Brad writes, many of us wish it were possible to forget our most painful experience, A certain amount of dementia towards our pain sounds blissful. But forgiveness doesn't unwrite history. Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do on the cross, but also inspired the recordings of the events that led to his death. Forgiveness does not unwrite history. It doesn't mitigate any of the benefits of learning from history, right? We've all been told those who fail to learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. Whatever vulnerability true forgiveness brings, it is not the vulnerability of naivete. I think that's a really important, maybe one of the most single important insights to this article. Whatever vulnerability true forgiveness brings, it is not the vulnerability of naivete. So what does forgiveness mean Um, you're committing to do with those hurtful memories and fears and imagination? Well, forgiveness does not add anything new to how you respond to your memories and fears and imagination that wisdom did not already advise before you forgave. Right? We want to have wise relationships with our memories. We want to mitigate the torment caused by painful, intrusive memories. We want to learn any lessons about wise trust that our painful memories can teach us. We want to prevent mistrust from spreading to relationships in which it is not warranted. We want forgiveness to be part of what God does to contribute to our flourishing from here, even if our current here is a place that we still wish we were never traveling from. So forgiveness is not forgetting. And lastly, forgiveness is not necessarily trust or reconciliation. Brad writes, you may remember in geometry class, you were taught a principle that all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. And a similar relationship, he writes, exists between forgiveness and trust or reconciliation. All trust and reconciliation are rooted in forgiveness, but not all forgiveness results in trust and reconciliation. And when we don't realize this, then when we say, I forgive you, we might think that this implies everything is going to go back to normal, but normal is what got us hurt. So we don't want a part of that, nor should we. The decision to forgive, and the decision to trust or resume normal relationship are actually two very different decisions. And the first, the decision to forgive, does not necessitate the second, which is to resume a quote-unquote normal relationship or or a relationship that uh, fits the pattern of how things were. And if you are being pressured by someone To believe that forgiveness requires an automatic trusting or a kind of faux reconciliation. This is actually a good reason to push the pause button on a movement toward genuine reconciliation in that relationship. Trust and reconciliation comes out of forgiveness, but that is a separate process. And if we are Thinking if we're putting pressure on ourselves or other people are putting pressure on us to collapse those categories together, forgiveness means reconciliation. Um, We're actually setting ourselves up for hurt and we're failing to recognize that trust and reconciliation is dependent on the other person taking serious steps to mitigate um, whatever harmful behaviors and posture and words were used against us. So this article really helped me think through um, and help me clarify what I understand forgiveness to be. And it certainly for me highlighted a few areas where maybe my hesitancy to offer forgiveness to those in my life who've hurt me are rooted much more in a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. So just to review, forgiveness is not pretending that we're not hurt. Forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook forgiveness is not making an excuse for someone forgiveness is not forgetting the serious wound or hurt and forgiveness is not necessarily an automatic return to trust or to reconciliation so as we move towards good friday i hope that all of you are using part of this lenten season these next few weeks to prepare hearts forgiveness and thinking about forgiveness and inviting God to reveal to us where we need to practice forgiveness and extend forgiveness in our lives is really, really important. But let's make sure we're doing that from a place of deep wisdom and articles like this are really, really helpful to that end. So that'll be all for today. I hope you guys are having a great uh, day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.